This podcast is proudly brought to you by Australia Lawyers. If you need legal information or fast access to Australia's leading lawyers, visit australialawyers.com.au. Now, over to Dan for the podcast. Hey, this is Dan, and thanks for tuning in to the podcast where I talk legal stuff with lawyers that I know, like, and trust. I hope you find the information really useful, and if you need legal help, that you reach out to one of these lawyers directly or drop by lawbydan.com and I can steer you in the right direction. Here is your podcast. When it comes to criminal law, one of the most fundamental aspects is sentencing. In other words, what does a court take into consideration when sentencing and what principles must it apply? It's a huge topic and today we're getting under the hood of everything sentencing in New South Wales with Ellie Menno, a criminal lawyer from Coots. So, Ellie, what are the four principles of sentencing? So, the Crime Sentencing Procedure Act of 1999, which is the New South Wales legislation with respect to criminal sentencing, outlines several core purposes of sentencing, sentencing, which essentially, I suppose, can be grouped or themed together. Naturally, and it should probably come as no surprise, a sentence arises as a form of punishment against a convicted offender. So, that's the first main principle. The offender needs to be adequately punished for the offence and make the offender accountable for his or her actions. The second main principle is deterrence, and this can be directly to deter the offender personally, which is referred to as specific deterrence, or to other people, which is referred to as general deterrence, and that deters others from committing the same or similar offences. In a way, this also, I suppose, denounces the conduct of the offender as well. (laughs) So thirdly, the protection of the community is a primary principle. The sentence imposed will need to recognise the harm done to the victim of the crime and the community and protect the community from the offender. And finally, sentencing also considers the rehabilitation of the offender. So the law isn't set out just to be an inflictor of punishment. The courts want to assist offenders with their rehabilitation. And this is sought to be promoted during sentencing, be either through community corrections orders or through the involvement and participation in rehabilitation programs. What is the most common sentence that you see in criminal cases generally? Well, it's quite a difficult question to answer because a sentence really depends upon a variety of factors, including which court it's in, what type of offence it is, whether there's aggravating or mitigating circumstances, and whether the offender has a criminal history. So it's not really a one-shoe-size-fits-all approach. So, Ellie, what are some of the other factors that the court will take in consideration when sentencing? Yeah, so there's numerous factors that can affect the sentence imposed, all of which are contained in Section 21A of the Crime Sentencing Procedure Act. So this section of legislation details aggravating, mitigating and other factors in sentencing. I won't detail all of the factors as it will be quite time consuming, but some of the primary aggravating is that is those which can harshen the sentence imposed include if the victim is a police officer or emergency services worker acting in their duties or a public official such as a teacher or worker, um, if the offence involves the actual or threatened use of a violence or weapon, if the offender has a record of previous convictions or if it was committed in the presence of a minor. So they're all aggravating factors. Some of the main mitigating factors, that is those which can lessen the severity of a sentence, include if the offender was provoked or if the offender was acting under duress, 
if the offender does not have any prior criminal record, if they're unlikely to reoffend, or if a plea of guilty is made by the offender. At the outset, you spoke about the principles of, assent- of sentencing. Do they differ from the objectives of sentencing in law? Well, I suppose it does tie in with that first question that we answered. The sentence needs to balance those principles of sentencing, and it's suppose it's finding the right balance between the punishment, deterrence, rehabilitation, and protection of the community. And those objectives, I would consider a, that they need to be fair, reasonable, just, and in accordance with the law. What about sentencing generally in, in terms of how it's actually decided? You know, what, what comes into that? Yeah, so it can be a little bit confusing, but we, we have a different court system. So the magistrate in the local court will decide the sentence, but it will be a judge in the higher court. And both the magistrate and the judges, they'll take into consideration those Section 21 factors I mentioned earlier. But there's also sentencing bench books available to judges and magistrates, as well as various maximum penalties imposed by the legislation. So, for example, offences tried on indictment will have a maximum penalty associated with that offence. But if indictable offences are tried summarily in the local court, they have a sentencing cap um, by virtue of sections 267 and 268 of the Criminal Procedure Act. So there's some there's a few steps that have to um, go through the process before it's actually decided. Now, can a judge actually lower a sentence? They can if it's been appealed. So an offender can appeal a sentence by way of a severity appeal if the sentence is made in the local court or by way of an indictable appeal if the sentence is made in the district or Supreme Court. And that has to be made within 28 days of the sentencing. But for an indictable appeal, the offender will need to seek leave to appeal to the New South Wales Court of Criminal Appeal but an offender has a right to appeal from the local court and leave isn't required in those circumstances. But if an appeal is successful, a judge could lessen the sentence, but there's also that risk that the sentence may be increased as well. What about an early plea of guilty? Does that actually reduce the sentence? Yes, it does. And not a lot of offenders are aware of this, but this is one of the mitigating factors as per Section 21, which I raised before. So the extent of the reduction will depend upon when the plea of guilty was entered. So if it's entered at the first available opportunity, the offender is entitled to a maximum 25% discount on sentence, which can be quite impactful um, when the sentence is being cited. But the discount is then kind of prorated or reduced proportionate to when the criminal hearing takes place and can be reduced down to 5%. So for a person that has actually you know, entered a plea of guilty, can they appeal at a later point? So they could appeal the sentence by way of a severity appeal, but there's also limited circumstances in which a plea of guilty can be withdrawn and changed to not guilty, but they should seek legal advice before doing that, of course. Now, a lot of people would uh, want to know the answer to this question, and that is, um, does a criminal offence stay on your record forever? Typical lawyer answer, it depends. Um, it's, it's yes and no. In New South Wales, we have a regime of which involves convictions being spent. So that means the conviction no longer forms part of that record. Most offences, most convictions become spent after 10 crime-free years for an adult or three crime-free years for a child. But not all convictions are capable of becoming spent and some do stay on your criminal record forever. But of course, they 
they're more your serious offences, such as sexual offences or convictions, which resulted in a prison sentence of more than six months. Now, just going back back to that question, you know, regarding appeals, are there time mm. limits to when a person can actually appeal a sentence? Oh, yes, the appeal needs to be made within the twenty eight days, but the entire appeal process, how long is a piece of string, really? It can take at least six months to a year, depending on the type of appeal and availability of the courts before that's finalised. Um, but it, even if you miss the 28-day deadline, you should still seek legal advice as soon as possible because a notice of intention to appeal can be lodged outside of that 28-day deadline in certain strict circumstances. So if you're unsure about it, definitely speak to your lawyer and obtain legal advice. Ellie, we know that criminal law matters uh, are, are quite often complex and it necessitates uh, a person that, who is charged or perhaps under investigation to get ad- advice very early. Yes, I'd always re- recommend get the advice early um, just just to prevent any further issues that may arise. At the end of the day, whether you've been charged with a criminal offence or not, it's, it's your life. And before you be sentenced, you want to ensure that you're obtaining the right legal advice and that you're making the best decisions for you, your charge and your life. Ellie, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. Thanks heaps for listening to this edition of the Law by Dan podcast. If you found it useful, it would be great if you can leave a rating on Spotify or iTunes or whatever the streaming platform is that you're using. Also, if need be, you can reach out to me at lawbydan.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast made possible by Australia Lawyers. For great legal information and fast access to Australia's best lawyers, visit australialawyers.com.au.